the fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views is from Street. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. And away we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another rousing rendition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. It is Friday, which means it is time to take a look at the weekend upcoming. A Christmas Eve matchup between the Panthers at home, at the bank, and the visiting Detroit Lions. A cat v. cat battle. And this one means everything to Carolina because the closer we get to the end of the year, the fewer mistakes can be made, depending on what you uh, what you want the outcome of the seasons to be. My name is Rob Brown, the host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina. And of course, by my side, metaphorically and virtually speaking, he is my co-host on that show. He is my co-host on this show. He is my partner in crime. We call him the great one. Lonzo Reitzel is here as well. And I'm sure, though, that you have heard... Uh, my mouth misfunction on a couple of words so far because much like it will be tomorrow evening in the bank it is freaking cold outside my dude yeah the wind is uh wind's a little rough so i mean this this might be good for the panthers though because someone might go you know it's really windy maybe we'll stick with the run it is definitely definitely uh cold outside i am originally from ohio so it's not as cold as everyone here is making it out to be but it's still pretty cold uh, sir, I'm de- I'm using that northern arrogance like you guys don't know what cold is. <laughs> I know what real cold is, uh, but yeah, it's 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 not warm out. That's for sure. I I, I would like to go uh, on the record and say that uh, your heritage's decision to live in a place where temperatures in the teens uh, were normalized that's your decision. Uh, I I shan't be judged for knowing. That it is miserable outside. We are changing from defend the bank to insulate the bank because it, I'll just say, uh, you know, I, I ordinarily envy friends of mine when they say I'm heading up to Charlotte from the upstate to the game. I'm like, ah, dude, that kind of sounds fun. I wish I could do that this weekend. Uh, not this time. Well, at least it's going to be a one o'clock game. So as warm as it's going to get, it will be during that game. This is one of those things where everyone, oh, I want to play a night game. No, you don't. Not right now, you don't. So be glad you're playing that one o'clock game. Correct, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into that game just a little bit. And let's start getting into this game. Great one by comparing and contrasting to last week. Question number one, and I think the most important question, the answer to which will determine what end of the proverbial stick we come out on tomorrow is going to be, did we learn our lesson? Did we learn our lesson? Did we learn the lesson that we are a run first team, even when they are throwing everything at stopping the run? Did we learn the lesson that there is a reason that they will play sketchy against the big throw and it's because they don't believe Darnold can make it? Lonzo, did we learn our lesson from the game against Pittsburgh to feel somewhat hopefully relatively confident that we will not make the same mistake Saturday that we made a week ago. Here's the thing. If the Panthers didn't learn it, you know who did learn that, that thing that that would be the three opponents we have left. That would be uh, Detroit. That would be Tampa Bay. And that would be new Orleans. Cause they all saw what, uh, 
what the Steelers were able to do, and they're going to repeat that. So the thing is, do you want to run up against that wall till you break that wall, or are you going to try to throw in these high winds? Uh, again, I think the fe- and the winds are probably not going to die down by the time game time happens. I think maybe the weather might factor into the Panthers' favor because they might actually go, let's just keep running it because we can't throw it. Maybe the weather will help this time. The uh, the weather is going to be hovering at the most optimistic view. It's going to be hovering around freezing. Now, the Panthers have played in a couple of whole games before. The closest home game ever played at the bank was back in 2010 against New Orleans. The temperature at that game was around 30 degrees. Any temperature below freezing, uh, freezing pardon me, would immediately his, his become tongue is what, freezing right now. It's, free, it's kind freezing of freezing outside, It's freezing. But I, I'm not kidding. Listen, uh, and I haven't even told Joe this yet. Uh, the morning, it is Friday. I am off this week from the real job. And so I spent the morning doing our final Christmas preparations, right? Running around, finishing up the gifts, getting the bags and the wrapping paper, getting the food ready for the family celebration this weekend, all of that good stuff. I walked into my house uh, three to five minutes before we started doing this podcast. And my face still has not fully recovered. Like it is still numb from the whole being outside thing. Uh, Anybody who tells me that weather like this does not impact a football game. I don't care if you're from Ohio, Alaska, or the freaking North Pole. If you tell me it doesn't impact the way that players play on the field when it is this cold outside, I am going to call you respectfully the damnedest of dirtiest liars. All I know is I I did have to go back out uh, a few minutes ago because there was a tremendous boom here, and I didn't know if maybe someone let off a cannon or a tree actually fell. Uh, Nothing hit the house, so I'm good. But I'm I'm thinking uh, trees fell. And if trees can fall, so can people. The wind is rough, especially blowing through those little bit of exposed skin that you get in your helmet. You can wear everything that you could cover your arms, all that kind of stuff. He's still going to be cold. And uh, especially the quarterbacks. I don't know if Sam Darnold is going to be throwing with a glove on because he's going to be cold, but he don't need to throw the ball. You know what? You know what warms everybody up? You are going to warm the offensive lineup by run blocking because they're not standing still. They're going forward. They're getting their, their legs moving. You're going to warm the running backs up by letting them run. Just just run the ball. That's what you got to do. The got dang football, I believe, is what Richard Sherman said. And I continue to quote uh, for years since. And look, we're going to get deeper into the X's and O's and matchups and all that coming up in a few minutes. But I, I, I could sit here and do and not feel like it was a waste of time, an entire opening segment on, man, I hope you learn the lesson, right? I hope you learn the lesson. Pittsburgh came out with the plan of, we're going to stick extra guys at the line. We're going to run a heavy box set at you. We're going to have extra backers. We're going to walk a DB up. We're going to put extra guys in the box, and we are going to dare you to throw the football. Uh, Traditionally, the way that a dare works, for those of you who have been hiding under a rock for Uh, ever, the way that a dare works 
is that it is someone trying to get you to do something that is counterproductive to your health, happiness, well-being, or pride. And people who fall for dares very frequently find themselves in situations they wish that they weren't in. I dare you to go ask that girl out. And then you're rejected in front of the entire gymnasium. I dare you to eat that gross thing. And then you're sick to your stomach. I dare you to jump off that bridge and you break an ankle, et cetera, et cetera. The Steelers straight up dared us to throw the football. And we did. And it did not go well. If the Detroit Lions bring the same concept into this game, which is pack the box heavy, add a couple of extra defenders, maybe go five down linemen and try to close up gaps before they open, and we fall for their dare a second week in a row, Lonzo, I will say this. If we don't have 40 runs in this game when it's all said and done, I can't say that Steve Wilkes will definitively earn the job this weekend in my ever so humble yet frequently a correct opinion, but he damn sure could lose it, Lonzo. Well, in my opinion, he's already lost it, but I, I see what you're saying. You're you're optimistic, and I'm sure he is too. The look of frustration on his uh, or 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 the the lack of emotion. Period. Last week, more more to it uh, made me think he's done. But you're right. The only way to get the job is to win is to win some games and show that you learned from the mistake that you made last week. And yes, it would help his cause if he ran the ball for 40 times or more. It is going to come down, as we have mentioned, and I've brought up this statistic time and time again. Since Steve Wilkes took the job, in the losses the Panthers have piled up, we have averaged north. Uh, excuse me, south of 50 yards per game on the ground. In the wins, we have averaged north of a buck 85 in those wins on the ground. Uh, it, it, it's it's one of those things, I think, and I've watched you know all the different podcasters and YouTubers and all that that have broken this game down, and I think there are points in time, though, where people go looking for a complicated answer, a complicated solution, assuming that the only solution is a complicated one. The solution to this problem is not complicated. It might be difficult to execute. There might be some spots where it's challenging, but at the end of the day, the solution itself is easy. You run the ball. You have Sam Darnold act as a quarterback game manager. I'm not saying he shouldn't throw the ball at all, but keep it to 17 to 20 times absolute maximum. And some of those should be screens. They should be wheel routes. They should be jet outs. They should be plays, passes that are set up by and utilized for the run game. If we fail to do that again, Lonzo, uh, I will be one unhappy, dissatisfied Panthers fan and there will be coal in the stocking of one Steve Wilkes on Sunday morning. Well, if we fail to do that, it's just gonna it's gonna be a loss, and chances are it's over. Although, if everybody else loses too, um, you know you're still in the same boat for at least one more game. But you can't count on that happening again. The best way to fix everything is to run the ball to win the game. We are, as Lonzo just mentioned, in a spot where Tampa Bay has a one-game lead 
all of the other three teams in the NFC South all find themselves squared away with each other. This race is very much far from over, even with only three games remaining. The Saints this weekend will be in Cleveland, where they take on the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson is back for that team, although he has not really done anything since his return. Game time temperature in Cleveland, by the way, Senior Ohio over there is expected to be about negative five at kickoff with windshield threatening negative 20. Um, so norm, normal, yeah, normal for Ohio. Yeah. Why, why, why and this is another segment uh, for the Rob Brown Show, which airs weekdays from 9 to noon starting January 3rd or starting again January 3rd. Who in the hell thinks that's going to be entertaining? Like, who thinks that's going to be an entertaining football game? Because it's not. It's going to be miserable. All right. Well, well I think it's going to be entertaining because I'm not there. I'm being the comfort of my living room watching other people suffer. And who doesn't think that way? It is entertaining the way, like, YouTube videos of people falling down is entertaining, right? Uh, It's like, is this good for anybody? No. Does this help anybody? No. Is there any actual content here that can develop anything? No. But ha-ha, he suffered that funny. Like, that's what this game's going to be. Yeah, quit quit talking that way after you probably watch that video 10 times. I watch all those videos. I do. Uh, Atlanta this weekend is at Baltimore, which three weeks ago would have been a guaranteed L, but obviously without Lamar Jackson, that is a Ravens team that has hit the skid a little bit. And Tampa Bay, the only team separated from the pack in the NFC South, is on the road at Arizona. Another team that has also lost their starting quarterback is Kyler Murray is out. I think three or four weeks ago, you probably could have talked me into believing, though, that that was a, a, a very much a potential Tampa Bay L on the road because of how poorly they played. But uh, sans Kyler Murray, even if you don't believe in the guy, I just can't think that Tampa takes an L on the road at the Redbirds, which means that, Zoe, I agree with what you said a minute ago, an L this weekend, and it's probably over for the playoff hopes of the Carolina Panthers uh, because we will not come back from two games down with two games remaining. Yeah, I don't think Tom Brady wants to go back to that lonely house. I I mean, you know, so I think he's going to find something, some way to win this week. If he doesn't, though, that's just too bad for him. Uh, But, you know, he he will. How could they not beat? uh, Even if Kyler Murray was there, I probably would think that uh, they would beat Arizona. The Views from Main Street podcast rolls on, ladies and gentlemen. Robin Lonzo with you. If you haven't done it yet, make sure that you are subscribed to the Views from Main Street podcast wherever major podcasts are found. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you turn on the little bell so you don't miss a moment of Big Cat Talk through the remainder of the football season and towards the draft. Ladies and gentlemen, let us take a look. At this matchup, week 16, Detroit at Carolina. That game is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Let's take a look at the history of this series so far. Detroit comes into this game at 7-7. and Carolina, obviously, at 5-9. and The NFC North 
as it is stacked up right now with the resurgence of the Green Bay Packers. They have pulled to within one game of, but are still back from the Detroit Lions, who are second at seven and seven. The Vikings of Minnesota are 11 and three and in control. They've had a couple of sputters here and there, but firmly maintain the grasp of the, the of that division and seven and seven Detroit will have to win out for an outside crack at getting in. So this game is important for them as well. Carolina seven and three all time against Detroit, including sitting on a one game win streak. They are five and one at home against the lions all time. And the last L at home against Detroit, you got to go all the way back to the last century, 1999, for a Detroit win at Carolina. It is the eighth time that Carolina has played on Christmas Eve. They are three and four. However, in the last instance of a Christmas Eve game, 2017, we knocked off Tampa Bay in dramatic fashion and secured a playoff spot. This win will not secure us a playoff spot, but an L will almost assuredly remove it from us or remove us from it, I should say. Game time temperatures, we mentioned earlier, expected to be hovering around freezing, depending on factors of the wind. It could a few times dip down below that freezing uh, weather. Since I was curious, I did find it. The coldest the Panthers have ever played The 1996 NFC Championship game in Green Bay, a game time temperature of three degrees and wind chills hovering in the negative tens and twenties. Dome every NFL stadium is all I'm saying. Just dome every one of them. Oh, stop it. The elements are part of the game. That's what makes it not baseball. Nah. Yeah, I know baseball. Nah. Well, no, no. Baseball is outside, but they won't play in the rain. So, I mean, you know. Nah. I, you're just so I, – I don't know. I I, uh, I guess I'm just old school, and I got – I want – I like the frozen tundra. Uh, what, would, what, would, what would Vince Lombardi say? Okay. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a bad Jimmy there. It was not. Let's take a look, uh, Clarence. Let's take a look at some of the. Tis the season, Rob. Tis the season, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a look at some of the statistics, offensive and defensively here, uh, and look at the tail of the tape between these two games. Carolina's offense, with the subpar showing of last week, are now averaging two hundred and eighty-eight point one yards per game. That is good for. 30th best in the National Football League, and you're hitting almost the exact opposite end of the spectrum for the Detroit Lions, averaging, Lonzo, over 375.1 yards per game. They are, if you speak yards per game, the fourth best offense in the National Football League, which means one thing and one thing alone, great one, the defense that showed up last week for Carolina, Wait, 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 not wait, good wait, enough. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No, the defense didn't show up last week. Those don't say the defense that showed up last week. There was no defense there. It was just like an empty field. There was nothing on the other side to stop that offense because they did not stop that offense. It's uh man, I, if the, 
Yeah, if they if they don't show up, it's going to be a really really long game. And it, you know that's the one side coming into this season, knew the defense would be fairly strong, and they've been really good almost the entire year. But there have been a couple games where they just were non-existent. It's so weird. I mean, I get it. A couple guys having a bad game, but when when they have a bad game, it's the entire defense. Yeah, it just it just fell apart. It crumbled last week, and we can call the shot now. If the same thing happens against Detroit this weekend, uh, they will pop up ahead of 500, and we will be looking forward to our draft pick. On the flip side, let's take a look at this. Uh, it is really almost, not, not entirely, but almost even rushing the football. Carolina rushing for 117 and a half yards per game. Detroit actually runs for more yards per game, 126. But I think we can, again, have. I think we have to really kind of justify a couple of things, Lonzo. The first being that uh, th- th- those numbers do include the first five weeks of the season where Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule were trying to treat Baker Mayfield as if he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. It took a little a little while. And how much of a big deal did we make about it on this podcast for the Panthers to finally recognize that they are a run-first football team and start cranking off those 180, 190, 200-yard rushing games. And then even then, we still have a couple of games where we backtrack, last, like last week against Pittsburgh. Uh, if the identity of the Panthers had been what it was three weeks ago when we played Denver, that uh, that number would obviously probably be up closer to like 170, and we would be towards the top five in the NFL. So that number to me, that rushing yard number, is a little bit skewed. We are 17th in the league. They are 14th. But I absolutely think that the Carolina Panthers have a better rushing game than the Detroit Lions do. Oh, absolutely. Well, when the coaches decide to use it, when, when the coaches decide – Hey, even though it's a little rough sledding out there, we're going to keep pounding. Keep, I mean, that's that's literally the mantra of the team: keep pounding. They should keep pounding with the running game because that's how the Panthers win. Without a doubt, a better running team when they're consistent with it, and it's just frustrating. It it really is. It, it's I just uh, I mean I'm at a loss for words as to what happened last week. They can't do that again this week. Through the air, the Panthers racking up 170.6 per game. That is good for 30th in the league. Uh, 249.1, good for 8th in the league, are the Detroit Lions. And that's kind of interesting. We'll talk more about him coming up in the last segment of the pod, though. But there has been a... Minai Renaissance for Jared Goff when he got sent out of LA to Detroit to take over the Lions in return for Matt Stafford. Uh, there were a lot of people that said, that's it. That's a death sentence for Jared Goff. Uh, they didn't believe that Jared Goff did all that much in LA uh, to, to get to the couple of playoff runs that he had in LA, that he was being carried, et cetera, et cetera. Jared Goff in the first five or six weeks, S. Nomas, uh, because the Jared Goff of the last few weeks 
has looked much, much better. Great one. And the Detroit Lions passing game is showing for it. All right. So, you know, there's that guy who who's blue collar, but thinks he should go up to, to management and, and be on that level with everybody up there. And he gets up there and realizes I don't belong here. I, I'm better down there with, with, with the blue collar guys. That's that's who he is. In my opinion, he got down there with, with Campbell and those guys because that's what Detroit is. I mean, that's that's the hardworking blue collar guys. And now he found a place where he fits. He didn't fit up there with the fancy. He fits with the blue collar. Good for him because it is another one of those guys that that got written off and he's managed to uh, show everybody at least so far that they were wrong. Jared Goff in the last handful of games against the Jets completed just a tick shy of 61%, 252 and a touch. Against the Vikings, who have a very good defensive backfield, one of the better teams in the league, 69.2% completion percentage, 333 touchdowns in that one. Against the Jags, 75% completion percentage, 342 touchdowns. Against the Bills, 63 Percent completion percentage, 242 touchdowns against the Giants, 66% completion percentage, 165. And all of those games, oh, sorry, let me add the Bears to that 73.1% completion percentage, 236, one touch in that one to find Jared Goff's last interception. You have to go all the way back to November 6th against the Packers, where he threw two TDs and one INT, has not let a defense have the football since November 6th of the regular season against the Packers. This is a quarterback in an offense that takes very good for, very good care of the football, is very conscientious about the decisions that he is making down the field. Uh, he will. He, he absolutely can be brought down to a 60, 61, 62% completion percentage if you're in his grill and you don't give him time. I will say this, though. If Jared Goff gives you an opportunity at a turnover, if you are a J.C. Horn, you had better take advantage of it because you likely will not get another one, and that is what has carried Detroit to a 7-7 and mark this year. Oh, I completely agree, and it's also him being smart with the football. So you mentioned J.C. Horn. He ain't going to throw it his way. You know, the, the smart quarterbacks go, nah, I'm not. I mean, there's a couple guys out there who are going to test him because their ego tells them they have to, but he's just not going to throw it that way. So it's going to be up to the other cornerbacks to take advantage of the opportunity. And you got to also hope that the defense, again, shows up, that the defensive line shows up, puts some pressure on Goff, and and ha- and helps him make some mistakes. Help him help you, ladies and gentlemen. Help him help you. All right, going back down some more of these tail of the tape statistics. Sacks allowed. Uh, this is really interesting. Detroit, Lonzo, we have talked about the uh, pass pro of the Carolina Panthers. We have talked about the fact that a good chunk of the sacks belong to week one through four when Baker Mayfield was in charge. Carolina has allowed 32 sacks this season. That is tied for 13th in the league. The Detroit Lions, and again, this is going to be a battle for the defense. Anything but their best 
and we are in trouble. The Detroit Lions have given up just 19 sacks. That is tied for the best in the offensive line, and that, so is why I said, aside from the defense, has got to show up and show out if they want a chance at this. Uh, the defense has to play as close to perfect as they have played in a while because Dan Campbell has this Lions team, not necessarily the greatest show on turf, not necessarily a high-flying Barnum and Bailey showcase, but they do not make mistakes. They are very, very smart, very efficient. They don't make a lot of mistakes. So if they do, you have got to capitalize or they will increase that time of possession up over that 30-minute mark, and that's where we get in trouble. Hey, the the Panthers need to be, especially the defense, they need to be embarrassed about what happened last week. And they also got to know, I mean, you have to know, you've seen the signs when you think your job is may not be there and it's going to be in another city. You got to come out and show show your worth these last couple games because more than likely there's going to be a new coach in there and there's a good shot that maybe if you're one of those fringe guys, you're not going to be there anymore. So you got to get in there and play the best football you played all year. There is no option, ladies and gentlemen. There is no option. This Detroit team, as we have just showed you between Jared Goff's numbers, between the sack numbers, and we'll get through the penalties and stuff like that later on in the show as well. This Detroit Lions team, again, they're not the most exciting in the world. Uh, they're not going to go out there and put up 45 on you. They can. They absolutely have the capability. They're not going to go put 45 on you. They're just going to keep you from getting to that 17 number that has plagued us for so long. Defensively, specifically, you got to play mistake-free football or we will get roasted. The Views from Midstreet Podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you. Hey, if you haven't done it yet, do us a special Christmas favor, would you? Would you share this around on your social media, on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your Instagram? If you're on MySpace, you can put it up there. If you're on Mastodon or whatever the new one is, you can put it up there. If you're on Angel Fire, we don't care. Take it all the way back to the 90s. Share it around. Lonzo just looked up like Angel Fire. Look, what the heck it. is Angel Fire? <laughs> that was that was, uh, that was was like social media before MySpace was your Angel Fire page, man. Uh, that's, 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 that's a trip in the throwback machine for old Rob Brown is what that is. Uh, just put it on your social media and share it around so we can continue to grow the show, ladies and gentlemen. Let's look on the flip side of the ball. We mentioned the defense, Lonzo. Well, here's an interesting number that I think you've got to take advantage of. When it comes to defense, yards per game, Detroit is the second to worst team in the National Football League, giving up a yard and a half shy of 400 per game, including 133 a game on the ground, 26th best in the league, and 265 per game through the air. That is 30th best in the league. Here's why those numbers are importante. They are important, though, because those are the type of numbers that a lesser coach a lesser coordinator looks at and goes, you know, they're giving up 130 on the ground on average, but they give up 265 through the air. 
maybe twirls evil mustache. We should look at throwing the rock a little bit. Those are the types of numbers that scare me, Lonzo, because the 265 that the Detroit Lions are giving up through the air, those are going to quarterbacks like uh, those are going to quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. Those are going to quarterbacks that are towards the top of the totem pole, a totem pole, not Sam Darnold. Those are not goes. Those are yards that are going uh, to Kirk Cousins with the receivers he's got in Minnesota to Josh Allen and the Bills uh, to Aaron Rodgers a couple of times. Those, those those numbers make me afraid that Ben McAdoo might see them though and go maybe. Like, maybe, right? Like, no, but like, maybe he will look at those numbers the way that I look at a chocolate cake when I'm on a diet. I'm like, I know I shouldn't, and I know it's going to be bad for me, but like, it's right there. Like, it's just, right. it's just, I could just do that. It's just right there. And I lose that fight more often than I don't. It's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned food and Ben McAdoo. I will continue to say, he is man versus food. I cannot, I cannot unsee that ever, uh, unless he, unless he grows a, a full on uh, grizzly Adams beard. And yes, that's an old reference, but that's the first thing I could think of. Um, in most games with most teams, the first thing you do if you're good at your job is find the weakness of the other team, and if the weakness of the other team is the pass, they're going to try to pass it, whether they should or not. That's the weakness of the other team. The question is, can you put enough runs in there to 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 balance things out? And and I don't know if he's that kind of offensive coordinator. I think if they come out and they throw a couple passes and they're successful, they won't run the ball at all, and that could be disastrous for the Panthers. Don't get suckered in. Don't fall for it. Don't think all of a sudden, well, everybody can throw the ball against them. We should be able to don't do any of that. If As much as you want to sit there and look and salivate at the fact that they have the 30th best passing defense in the game, you also have to look at the fact that they have the 26th best rush defense in the game because, as Zoe pointed out, you want to find a weakness. That is literally the thing you are going for. Find the weakness, exploit the weakness. Absolutely. That's old school coaching. But you also want to find out how to exploit the weakness with a strength of yours. The strengths of the run game. Look at that 26 best run game with the same love and admiration that you look at the 30th best pass defense and salivate over. Uh, In terms of sacks, Detroit, very pedestrian. We have 29. They have 30 sacks on the season. Third down efficiency. We talked about third downs against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Lonzo, because third down on both sides of the ball um, uh, sucked a lot. Pittsburgh converted 75% of the thirds down, third downs that they faced on offense. We did not do that, and it created a massive problem. The Detroit Lions are averaging, though, less than 49% conversion rate on third downs. There's only, like, ordinarily, there might be a number, maybe two, 
that I look at and I go, if X, then the Y is we win. And if X, then Y. If you can keep that number under their season-long third-down conversion rate, you keep them under that 48.2% third-down conversion rate, Londo, uh, Londo, Londo, uh, Lonzo, you Lonzo keep them Calrissian over here. I've been watching a lot of Star Wars lately. What do you want? Uh, I got a bad feeling about them, this game. If you keep them under their season average mark for third down conversions, Carolina can win this football game. It's that simple to me. Run it and keep them off the field on third downs, both of which they are not very good against. Take advantage of their weaknesses with your strengths and you'll be fine. You know, if you rewind back about, I don't know, three pods, four pods, that's exactly the kind of same thing we said about beating Pittsburgh. And they didn't do that. They didn't do that, but but you're right. Detroit's defense is worse than Pittsburgh's defense, and you got to have a balance on offense. Take advantage of their lack of defense. This could very well come down to um, outscoring the other guy by uh, you know whoever whoever has the ball last. And the best thing way to do that is to run the ball. Uh, we said it from the beginning of the podcast. We said it in the middle of the podcast. We're going to say at the end of the podcast, run the ball. Run the ball. Just run the ball. Just just, just run the ball. Uh, all right. One more thing that jumped out at me when I was going over my pregame notes here. Great one. Two weeks ago, the last win against Seattle. Carolina won the turnover battle in that game 2-0. The Panthers, in four of the team's five wins, have turned the ball over zero times. In all of the five wins, they've had one turnover. One turnover. Through the losses, those nine losses, just interceptions, 10 of them. 10 of them. Uh, You know, ordinarily, like a good team that wins a bunch is going to win the turnover battle. A bad team is going to lose the turnover battle. When you sit right there in the middle, and we mentioned third downs, and, and you can kind of point at the third down success and failure as an indicator. Uh, so if Carolina turns the ball over, they lose. Like if they hit the 180 mark, they win. If they keep the ball and blue and win the turnover battle, they win. It blows my mind. And and you know, I, I got told the other day, like, oh, your football broker your football breakdowns are too simple. Uh so sometimes they just are what they are. You don't turn the ball over. You get over 180. You've won five games where those two, t- uh, two statistics are true. In every other game that those two statistics are not true, you have lost. That's not me pulling some facts and figures out of my backside for the sake of airtime. That's literally on paper statistics that you can circle and verify, ladies and gentlemen. This is a college professor criticizing you. What do you want? Calculus? I mean, it really comes to football is just a matter of simple math. That's that's all it is. It's very simple math. You do things better than the other team, like gain more yards, which is simple math, especially on the ground. You're probably going to win that game. That's that's just how that I don't get. I don't get that. Your breakdowns are are too simple. Yeah. Tell, Tell me you smacked them in the head when they said that. Well, it was online. It was it was uh it was on the 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 bastion of greatness, uh the bastion of greatness that is Twitter. Twitter um, ah. I will say 
very simply this. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes people go looking for solutions that are overly complicated because we've all kind of been conditioned to feel like, well, if it was a simple fix, it would just get fixed, right? The numbers that I have pointed out, uh, statistics aren't going to tell you the whole story, but they'll give you a heck of a lot of it. Uh, Dante Foreman, in the games we have won, is averaging a buck 18 on the ground. In the games we've lost, is averaging 45 on the ground. In games in which the Carolina Panthers have turned the ball over, they are one and nine. In games where they have not turned the ball over, they are five and doe. So the, 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 the entertaining thing to me in this case is how evidently clear it is that these two numbers exclusively and entirely coincide with dubs and with L's. And it seems to me like that would be the focus. And that is why I said, I don't know that Steve Wilkes can solidify his head coaching position with the team next year this week, but he can lose it because all the numbers that show dubs and L's, you can write them down. You can point at them. They are empirical. You can prove them. And if we don't follow the formula we have laid out, right? If we go run the ball 40 times, Lonzo, and we lose the game, we lose the game. It's the NFL. Nobody's going undefeated. But if we go out there with a playoff berth on the line and an opportunity to potentially drag Tampa into a tie for the division, and we do anything other than the formula that I can show you works, he damn sure can lose that job, and that's where I'll leave it. Well... I, I hate being so negative. You know what? I, I hope he I hope that Steve Wilkes is able to learn from the errors that they made last week, that they're able to turn things around, they're able to beat Detroit, they're able to beat Tampa Bay, they're able to beat New Orleans, they're able to win a playoff game. That would be awesome. That would win me over for sure. Um I just I'm trying to be realistic here and I just don't see how that will happen because of inconsistencies. We've seen things that go, that we go, man, and we've said it here. They get it. They finally get it. They see what they need to do and then they turn around and do the exact opposite. Um that is uh collectively a problem and that's from the top down. Uh, when you decide this is what our game plan is, even though the last one worked, we're going with something totally different. That's a coaching problem. And until that's figured out, he's going to stay interim till the end of the season. And then he'll be looking for another job. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you all that have spent this entire year with us on the Views from Main Street podcast, especially those that have made sure you are downloaded, subscribed, and shared us around. It means the world to us. We are very, very grateful. Uh, it has been a tremendous season. we still got more pods to do. We're still doing the pod next week, but wanted to take just a second and wish all of you a very happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a happy Kwanzaa, and a happy Festivus to the rest of us. Whatever you celebrate, we hope that you have a phenomenal holiday with your friends, with your family, and we thank you all for listening and spending your time, hours upon hours throughout the football season with us because, well, if you didn't, it would be pointless of us to continue to do this pod. So uh, a happy holidays from me and, and Lonzo. If there's anything you'd like to add, the floor is yours. No, I think you pretty much said all of it. Um, uh, again, tell a friend. 
an enemy, a family member, a guy on the street wearing a Panther jersey to download this podcast because it will help us greatly and we appreciate it. And uh, we enjoy sharing time with you talking about the Panthers. And as far as Festivus goes, this entire podcast was an airing of grievances and now it's over. Uh, It is not over because tomorrow at one o'clock on Christmas Eve, it will be time, Lonzo, for the Panthers to perform their feats of strength. Go win the damn football game. I don't want my Christmas Eve ruined. That's all I'm saying. Is that too much? That that was that that was too intense, right? No, that's what they need, especially the defense. Ladies and gentlemen. Merry Christmas, Happy Annika, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever you celebrate, we hope you have a good one. And we will see you back here on Monday for the wrap-up and either a discussion about how we finish off the push to the playoffs or our first breakdown about who we should draft because that's what (laughs) – we'll see how it goes. That's Lonzo right? So he's the great one. My name is Rob Brown. We'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great Christmas holiday weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. And until then, and as always – Keep pounding, baby!